0: ABC Listen, podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. Jump into an ice bath and add a few years to your life? That sounds worth a shot. What about radical couples therapy, where you have three straight days of counselling together? Or facilitated breath repatterning, which says that it will change your blood chemistry? Many of these wellness trends sound great in the brochures, but they don't all match up with the evidence. Does that matter? if they're harmless and make you feel good. I'd be very interested to hear from you if you have ever delved into the evidence base for a wellness trend that you tried. What did you find? Did it match up with how it felt to try it? Jenny Valentich is a journalist and author with longstanding interest in pushing her body's boundaries, and she and her partner, Frank, have been road testing wellness practices for their podcast, which is called Spirit Levels. Jenny, welcome back to Life Matters. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. It was very fascinating speaking to you last time about your book about all these amazing kind of sport and and, uh, exercise activities that you tried. This is a whole different road. What is the craziest, weirdest fad that you tried this time?
1: Well, so every week, Frank and I will try something different, often we'll take turns. And, you know, when we say fads, often it might be something that's an ancient practice, but perhaps on TikTok, it's just gone off recently. So, um, I mean, we've done things like tantra, ecstatic dance, cuddle therapy, of course, ice baths. Um, all sorts of things, peptides.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll uh, explore some of those in a moment. But why did you decide to look into this at this particular point in time?
1: Oh, I think possibly because of age. So Frank and I are getting a bit long in the tooth. You know, and we're both... <laughs>
0: she says, looking, not a day over oh, 35.
1: Um, but... You know, we're we're really interested in longevity. And there are lots of claims out there that, you know, this practice can really extend your life or at least make your quality of life better. Um, And of course, some of them we can guess would be absolute pseudoscience and some would have practical benefits. So we decided we would be human laborats and put these things to the test.
0: I feel like just about every conversation you have with people about what what kind of wellness thing they're exploring, there's all these terms, you know, that seem quite scientific. The vagus nerve, the peptides. Quantum. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, synergies. It's really hard to work out what's what's actually got an evidence base behind it. Were you looking at the science as well as as just working out how it felt to experience these things? Well, I'm really interested
1: in that tension between something that sounds – A bit unlikely, you know, maybe a spiritual practice, but also, um, you know, our yearning for meaning and to have these, you know, the whole gamut of human experiences. So we didn't always go for things that seem to be completely evidence based. And then I would play more of the kind of cynical role, if you like. And Frank's uh, a real kind of laid back surfer guy who's, you know, willing to give things more of a, a good nudge.
0: Yeah. So was that part of the reason why you decided to do these things together? Because that just sounds like a thing that could bond or break a relationship, really.
1: (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Well, we actually met on a dating app. And then when we had our first conversations, so I'd written this book, Everything Harder Than Everyone Else, about pushing your bodies to extremes. And then it turned out he was somebody who'd you know, practically broken every bone in his body, doing sort of really, really rash things. And so it almost ended up with being a bit of one-upmanship where we would sort of compare notes on what we'd done and what we planned to do. But also, if you do these things together, you can really integrate your experiences, which is, you know, what people who do psychedelic trips talk about all the time. It's really important to not just do the thing, but then sort of talk about it and how do I apply that to my day-to-day life. So that's easier with a partner.
0: Well, it sounds like some of you were not up for some of the things. Like you have described yourself as a sociophobe. How did you go with the cuddle therapy? Well, I didn't.
1: So originally that was my idea. Uh, I noticed that, you know, in Japan they have lots of cuddle cafes and things like that. And it's kind of a notoriously buttoned up society. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this could be for me. Uh, And then I noticed over here in Australia, you have cuddle therapists. They're often international students and you sort of meet them in a hotel room. (laughs)
0: Oh, that sounds dodgy. Maybe.
1: Um, But then I found a cuddle gathering in Melbourne and I was due to go along to that. And it was two hours of sort of different cuddling kind of exercises, I guess, and getting to know each other. Um, And then I chickened out, so Frank went. But he actually got so much out of it. He he came out with a bit of a thousand yard stare and I thought, Oh my God, what's happened? But, it was just this real um, strange sensation of being intimate with complete strangers very quickly, but but intimate in a quite a profound way.
0: Because Jenny's looking at my facial expression, which is <laughs> I'm horrified. i yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it, what about trust? Because I can see how there'd be oxytocin benefits if you felt comfortable, but how do you go into a room full of strangers and and physically snuggle with them without being a bit anxious? Oh, well, in this case, with Cuddle Gathering, there's a really wonderful facilitator who'd
1: with like um you know um, touch in children's hospitals and that kind of therapeutic touch so she was all across you know you know talking about consent and boundaries but i think you know if you go to something a bit more esoteric in ubud in bali for instance where you've got a kind of uh, somebody claiming to be a practitioner or guru then yeah indeed there <clears throat> sorry there could be quite a lot of scope there for Things going wrong.
0: Well, yeah, and I guess, you know, uh, those things can go wrong in uh, developed country as well, can't they? There can be bogus practitioners and charlatans everywhere. We're speaking with Jenny Valentish, who, with her partner Frank, has been uh, trialling quite a lot of different practices that come from different traditions and have been rebadged and remarketed. And I think the marketing is really interesting, isn't it? Because you talked before about the fact that people are searching for meaning, not just the kind of physical benefits. What did you find about that that there's something happening now that means these these practices are very appealing to people?
1: Oh, I think there's a few things going on. So, um first of all, we're kind of living in this era where a lot of people have turned themselves into personal brands, you know, on on Instagram they're claiming to be a seven-figure CEO, entrepreneur, and so they're very obsessed with self-optimization. So, th- there's this idea of like listening to podcasts about biohacking and trying to get many steps ahead of everyone else. There's that kind of competitiveness. Wow. Yeah, but then I think there's also real genuine desires to disconnect from tech and this real worry uh, and anxiety that we have about, am I over-reliant on my phone? I mean, we all are. What's that doing to my brain? Um, Are we all becoming a little bit ADHD in a sense? You know, our attention spans, are we even able to exist without technology anymore? So that's where I think things like you know, the of retreats where it's a 10-day silent retreat or things like Vision Quest where you go out into the wilderness and basically fast for four hours on your own with the elements. Four think, hours? Four days? Oh, four days. Four Ooh. days. Good pickup. <laughs> yeah, so those kind of things where people are desperately trying to kind of reconnect with themselves and think, can I survive without technology? Can I then bring this practice back into my daily life and maybe rely on technology less?
0: That's interesting, isn't it? The idea that you would go out and have probably quite a mystical experience with no food for four days in the wilderness, but then you come back to your life. What happens after that? When, what happened with you and Frank when you trialled these things? You know, Frank had this beautiful expression on <laughs> his face when he came out of cuddle therapy. What happened two days later? Well, look, because we're creating something, a podcast, we're probably just still really hooked
1: into that dopamine cycle of, okay, what's going to happen next? So we haven't done the full, I, I'm going to go to some remote, beautiful place and disconnect but we've done things like, you know, Tantra and the Dandenongs and we've thought, sort of thought, OK, I can really see the benefit of just really working on connection and really working on um, bringing out that serotonin naturally
0: and just breaking habits Tell us a little bit about some of the specific things that you did. I understand that you began with sleep, which is a lot of us will be going, yes, please tell me how to fix that. Uh, what did you try and, and how did it stand up to the science? We actually
1: got on um, a guy called Mike Toner who runs a touring agency. And so, you know, for a long, long time, he'd been having these hectic hours, usually uh, having a very nocturnal lifestyle as an international business. we so would have to be available in different time zones. And so it ruined his sleep. And he actually spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to fix it on all the different wearable tech you can get. You can get headbands, you can get rings, all sorts of things. Uh, he went to sleep school uh, and actually what, what did it in the end, what completely fixed it was CBT, which is good to know because we can all afford CBT.
0: Yes, well, depending on uh, your, your ability to access it. Yes, that's cognitive behavioural therapy, so it's changing the way you think about your yeah. sleep. Yeah, I mean you could even just
1: look up the basics of it online.
0: Yep. Fantastic. The ice baths thing is huge, isn't Mm. it? Wim Hof is like everywhere, and everyone's having like tiny little bits of cold shower at the end of their warm shower. Yeah. What did you find when you explored that?
1: Um, I really got into that actually. And uh, it's a bit cringe because, you know, I spoke earlier about self professed sort of CEOs who are obsessed with self optimization. Well, they'll all do the ice bath, you know. Um, But. So what it does, allegedly, is um, it reduces inflammation, it uh, it stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system, which in the long run reduces stress, and it improves your autoimmune system. Um, But what it does for me in the short term is it gives you a high that some say is um, akin to cocaine, I wouldn't know. But... uh, you know, the the uh, you can go into a sauna for 15 minutes, say, then get into an ice bar for three minutes, keep sort of alternating, and you you end up with this beautiful glow. You just feel so much more alive. And it, certainly even the cold shower is a really good start
0: to the day. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I've talked to someone who did that. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. They're like, yeah, it felt fantastic. I was like, do you still do it? And she's like. No, because it was also quite unpleasant.
1: <laughs> well, I have to do it now because Frank actually built us a sauna and ice bath complex in my back
0: garden. <laughs> Fantastic. What about just quickly facilitated breath repatterning? Because that says it's going to change your blood chemistry.
1: Yeah, well, it certainly gives you an altered state. Um, so Frank did this one. And he, he again, this is something where he came back seeming very changed. And he had a weird smell as well. And I was like, what the hell is that smell? Turned out to be Sage. Okay. Uh, but um yeah it's it's a close relative of holotropic breathing and so it's it's um you have a facilitator who's guiding you into this pattern of breath um hyperventilation's part of it where um you basically sort of almost disconnect and you start having this altered state experience um and it can go on for about one or two hours and again it's something where you would try and sort of integrate anything that you've learned or the calmness that you've experienced into your daily life? That sounded great. I'm actually really keen to do that one.
0: Yeah. I had a friend who tried something similar and she said it was like drugs, but cheaper and you could access it at home. And obviously you weren't going to get arrested. Probably not much cheaper, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, once you know the technique. Okay, great. Interesting. Jenny Valentich, you and Frank aren't scientists. I mean, you part of the motivation was to try and cut through the, the pseudo expert commentary of which there is a lot about wellness trends. Why should we trust your learnings from your podcast?
1: I don't think you should. I think everyone's calling themselves an expert these days. and It's really annoying. Um, I'm not even really being a journalist in this capacity. I'm being a human guinea pig. So basically, we'll introduce the thing. We'll have some banter about it. One or both of us will try the thing. Comedy ensues, sometimes disaster. And you get to decide for yourself, does this sound like something that would benefit me or not? I mean, we do obviously drop in some studies and what the claims are. And sometimes we'll say, well, actually, there's a counter argument to this. But basically, it's you deciding, does this sound like something I'd want to go at? And what's next on the list? Ooh, what's next? Um, we've got a, a a naturism, nudism episode coming up, which I think is my favourite so far. I really would love that to be more of a thing in Australia. Yeah. And not just like limited to weird kind of little... Resorts.
0: Yep. Or spontaneously on uh, semi deserted beaches as opposed to formally on designated yeah, beaches. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, and we have uh, an episode I'm really looking forward to about <clears throat> something called light work, which is where people believe that they're an intergalactic being who's come down to heal you. But I'm pairing that with an expert on placebo
0: effect. Okay, interesting. Mm. All right. Well, Jenny Valentish's podcast with her partner, Frank, is called Spirit Levels. You two can explore their learnings and more importantly, their experiences, what it actually feels like to be doing these things. Jenny, thanks so much again for coming in and telling us a bit about it on Life Matters. Oh, thank you so much fun. You're listening to RN. My name's Hilary Harper. And I mean, there are lots of different reasons why people choose to explore wellness trends and alternative therapies and varying evidence bases for them. I'd love to hear if you have delved into the evidence base for a wellness trend that you have experimented with. What did you find? What did you discover about, I guess, the, the tension or the relationship between how it made you feel, the reason you wanted to try it, and what the science actually says about it? A couple of texts the Indian Ayurvedic Health System uh, says one text, advocates a cold shower for wellness too. Yeah, I think that's quite a common thing across some cultures. And another says, I found the podcast called Silver Bullet most helpful when it comes to these weirdo practices, they say. I should point out this is an ABC comedy podcast with Michael Hing and Lewis Hobber. 0418 226576 if you'd like to send through your thoughts. Kate Sear is a psychology researcher with Charles Sturt University has a special interest in what's driving the wellness craze, particularly for women. And I think that's uh, important to work out our motivations as well as the science base underneath things. Kate, welcome to Life Matters. Thank you for having me. Let's quickly clarify what we mean when we talk about the wellness industry and just how big it is too.
2: Uh, Look, I think Jenny kind of touched on this. Wellness is quite a broad church. It it seems to cover any kind of product or service or regime that assists you to become the best, healthiest version of yourself, whether that be self-care practices, fitness regimes, Diet plans, alternative medicines, vitamins, positive thinking, mindfulness. There's a whole gamut, I guess, of goods and services that fits under wellness.
0: Now you and are to, sorry, go on. Go on. Well, you I was just that. gonna say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: you in first. terms of the industry. In terms of the industry, it's it's estimated to be worth about um five point six trillion dollars. And that was in 2022. Um, it's projected to be worth about eight point five trillion in twenty
0: twenty seven. Wow! So um, you have argued that this is a very problematic industry. Why is it a problem if people want to experiment with self optimization and they've got the funds to do so? Yeah. Look, I, I think there's a few uh, a few aspects to
2: this question. Um, and I just want to be clear, like I'm not against people pursuing health and healthy living. I think that's you know, that that's really great to take care of your body and mind. But I think the wellness industry co-ops these ideas and uses them for profit at times at the expense of people's well-being. So one of my biggest concerns with the industry is that it's unregulated. So for people who are looking for a wellness program or a product, it's it's not clear whether they're getting advice or or a product from an expert in that area or whether, you, you know, they're getting advice or a product from some charlatan who's hoping to, to make some money and you end up purchasing something that doesn't work or something that could actually cause more harm. Um, as you sort of touched on, with some of these products, there's not a lot of science backing them. Um, there's not a lot of evidence showing that they're working. Um, for instance I think the Kardashians were selling flat tummy tea um, and it and yeah and it turned out that this was causing people a lot of stomach cramps and abdominal pain because it was essentially a, a, a laxative but people were using it like a tea um, so that's one of my concerns I think my other concern is that the, the wellness industry is a little bit insidious I think it preys on people's vulnerabilities and the idea that they're not good enough, that you know they don't have the right body, they don't have the right mindset. And it can increase people's feelings of shame and anxiety and depression. And I think for women, it sells this idealized version of what it means to be a woman. And it's quite unattainable. It's often a woman who's got a particular body shape. They're active and energetic and positive they've got beautiful skin thick luscious hair and it's just not realistic and then wellness says well you've got to try harder eat cleaner do more yoga be more mindful change your thinking and and that will you know help you achieve your goals Yeah,
0: manifest energy get up at 4am journal it's like people don't seem to have jobs that do this stuff as well just disturbing well, that's
2: Absolutely. I was going to touch on that as well. It's a very exclusive club when you think about it. It's only really reserved for the affluent. Um, it's very time consuming. It's a lot of self surveillance, a lot of documentation. It can be expensive. It's, it, you know, and you think if wellness was really concerned about people's well being, these products would be available for everybody. And um they're just not.
0: We're speaking with Kate Spear, who is a psychology researcher at Charles Stute University, and looking at women's health and, and the intersection with wellbeing. And Kate, you argue that one of the problems is that the health system we have now doesn't adequately cater to women's health concerns. Why not? Look, I think the the medical community and has
2: really kind of neglected women's health concerns. And this is sort of becoming, I guess, a bit more uh, promoted. Uh, the National Women's Health Strategy, which I believe is part of Women's Health Package, has shown that one in three women reported disrespectful health practitioners who left them feeling dismissed and unheard. Um, there's a current uh, in Victoria, they're doing an investigation into to women's pain, essentially, and how the medical community has neglected that over the you know previous years. And so I think when women aren't feeling heard or being told that their pain is normal or that they just have to lose weight or it's all in their head, when they're being told that by the medical community, they're not feeling supported, so they turn to wellness. And I think wellness then takes advantage um, of those vulnerabilities and tries to sell them. So, you know, a range of products,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you've written too about the the way that wellness focuses so much, like you said, on the individual's responsibility mm-hmm. to change things, and and not about other structural issues that are at play. How big a problem is that? I mean, can can people not kind of go, well, actually, my job and I don't know, racism and sexism and my unfair domestic load are are an issue for me. Do you think that people are being um, deluded by wellness? Are we are we that um, easily deluded? I-
2: yeah, no. Look, I don't want to say that. I certainly don't want to to imply that women are deluded and and they don't know what's causing them stress. Stress, but I think, you know, when you're inundated on social media of all these images and all these promotions, where wellness is telling you, oh, you know what? If you were just more assertive, if you lent in on that that meeting, if you upskilled your leadership qualifications, if you manifested a positive outlook, I think it's. I, I think those things are very hard. To counter sometimes and it doesn't address those underlying issues um, and I think it keeps us kind of focused on our bodies and our well-being rather than looking to perhaps some of the the larger issues that are causing women issues in society.
0: I noticed too that there's a, a lot of things uh, targeted specifically at men. Does that change the equation no. uh, when, when we look at the the, um, the problematic nature of the industry? No,
2: I think I think wellness are just seeing men perhaps as another market. I think you know there there are a lot of concerns for men and their mental health at the moment, as as there should be. We know there are high rates of of depression and suicide amongst the male population, and there probably isn't enough support for them at the moment. And I think wellness is moving into that space, and is going to you know we're going to see very similar patterns, um, in terms of promoting an idealized version of masculinity and then marketing products towards that that version. And again, the lack of re- uh, regulation in the industry means that men will also be at risk of financial harm or physical harm or even sort of psychological harm.
0: So Kate, you've talked about the, wanting to see more regulation and a, a different focus in our healthcare systems so that uh, mm. women's needs are more catered for. What else do you think would help? Because we heard from Jenny Valentine before how a lot of people are just searching for a deeper meaning and they're mm. looking to something that seems to offer it so easily
2: yeah look I think I think she's spot on there. I think wellness I, I, you know it provides a sense of control for people and offers certainty in an uncertain world and you know our our world at the moment can can feel quite uncertain so i I don't think she's wrong there but I think rather than looking, to ourselves perhaps look to other people to look to other people who are in similar circumstances so we talked earlier about you know some of those broader structural issues if you feel that you're experiencing some discrimination at work maybe look to some colleagues who could be experiencing similar things talk to them you know advocate for change maybe make connections in that sense um again not at all saying that you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't be prioritizing your health or wellbeing But maybe if some of those issues are more structural, look for ways to create change rather than changing yourself.
0: Yeah, small moments of community building can uh, make a huge difference. Kate, thanks so much.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. I was just going to say, even if you just donate some money to a cause, it doesn't have to be adding to your time. It can just be something as simple as that.
0: Mm, Yep. Interesting, interesting discussion. Kate, thanks for your time today.
2: No worries. Thanks
0: for having me. Kate Sear is a psychology researcher with Charles Sturt University. And we heard earlier from Jenny Valentine, who's a journalist and author and the co-host of the new podcast, Spirit Levels. Lots of people texting in uh, saying that cold water swimming or showering has, has done wonders for them. Here's one from Melissa. Years ago, I took to cold water, ocean and shower to reduce night sweats and perimenopausal anxiety. And Melissa says it helped. And in addition to anecdotal evidence, there are recent studies emerging supporting cold water therapy to manage menopause symptoms. She says, I'm also pro other therapies for menopausal women and a reminder it's not a one-size-fits-all, but why not try a cold shower? And she says, but I don't recommend fasting for busy women in Perry as it adds more stress, cortisol and doesn't necessarily help weight loss. Excellent. Thank you, Melissa. Very happy to hear that news.
1: Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.